Ion 2020, episode 171. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here. That's right. I'm back. Another day, Monday through Friday, I'm doing this for you, putting together a show based upon a libertarian look at the presidential election here in the United States, okay? Uh, Every day, Monday through Friday, this is Ion 2020, and you know that this is going to be your source daily for the news and related events. Everything that's going on in the 2020 election, from the candidates to their policies, to the third parties, to the second parties, to the Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, the whole nine yards. I just want to make sure that you are the most informed person that you can be so that when you are talking to your friends and family or creating memes or going on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else, you can go ahead and be the most informed person on these candidates, and you will be if you continue to follow me and continue to listen daily. Now, I know, libertarians, we're like, oh, well, that's not, that doesn't interest me whatsoever. That's fine. If the, if the elections don't interest you, well, at least you can kind of know where the candidates stand on their policies and have a libertarian critique of those candidates, right? Because that's, that's what I try to do is focus on critiquing their policies because there is this thing out there where these candidates, this is what they do, right? They promise this, then they promise that. And it's kind of like a race to see who can give the most stuff away. It's kind of like I go to the auctions for work every so often, the auto auctions, and the auctioneer is just sitting there going a mile a minute, just saying, you know, they're trying to sell the car. Give me one, give me two, give me three, four, four, five, six, you know, and they just go way faster than you can even understand them. And that's what it seems like to me when I'm listening to some of these candidates, man, is they just sit there and they can just uh, spout out 150 things really fast about what they're going to give away for free. Not realizing, and hope, I mean, I'm sure people must understand it, but I, I just wonder if they understand that there ain't no such thing as a free lunch, man. There really is not. And there was, uh, actually, there was a guy on Twitter that had responded about something like that, saying, yeah, we should have, why don't we just make all medicine free? And I responded with that, or no, he said, why don't we make all school lunches free? And I was like, you do realize that free does not really mean free, right? Um, there is something to, there, there is a cost associated with every single thing out there. So free, when a politician says it's free, that doesn't really mean it's free. It just means that somebody else is paying for it. And that, that's all there is to it. And uh, But this kid really did think that you could just have, that everything could just be free, I guess. I don't know. It was just... Uh, the most ignorant little statement that I've ever heard, but there are people that think that just because the government produces it, that everything will be free, right? But yeah, these candidates, you will be informed about them. That's why I do this show every single day, Monday through Friday for you, to to make sure that you are the most up to speed on the candidates and their policies or positions. And I take a libertarian spin on that so that when I start talking about their policies, you will hear a little bit about why that would not work in a in the in the real world i guess in the in a in a free market why it's why a free market is the best way 
to approach the things that they're trying to fix rather than trying to have government intervention in that particular part of the economy. So anyway, guys, what I've been doing for the last, or since yesterday, yesterday was the first show that I did. So what I've been doing is I'm going to be putting together a show based upon every one of the candidates that are going to be in the um, in the debates on on September 12th. So September 12th, we have debates coming up. Uh, we have probably, they're going to have one or two nights of debates. They haven't decided yet. It depends on who gets into the into the debates. And they haven't even, as of recording on this show, I'm recording Wednesday evening, they haven't even decided who's going to be in the debates yet. They haven't given the final number. That'll probably be tomorrow, maybe. And I'll let you guys know as soon as I know something. But, there's probably going to be 10, 11, maybe 12 people that are in the debate. So, over the next week and a half, I'm going to cover each one of these people in a 15 to 20 minute segment, maybe a little bit longer, depending upon how I can do it. And then at that point, um, I'll give you that while I'm doing that, I'll give you a little critique about that candidate as well and the policies that they have from a libertarian perspective. And then from there, you know, I'll, I don't know, I'll tear it apart if I have to, man. I think that's really important to tear up these candidates because we really want to, we really want people to see that these people really do think that they have the great ideas when in reality, when it'll be tried in practice, it'll probably fall apart because this is not it is not the best way to bring the most freedom to the masses. It actually causes a lot of times when you have government intervention and things, you get the government intervention and then all of a sudden it works for a little while, but then it starts to fall apart and then they give more government intervention and then it works for a little bit longer, then it starts to fall apart and then you have even more government intervention. It just the answer to it is always going to be more government intervention rather than freeing up the markets. So... Um, but that's what I'm going to be focusing on for the next week is just taking apart these candidates and their policies and their positions. I'm going to go into their websites, trying to find as much information as I can. Yesterday I talked about Elizabeth Warren, right? And I went to her website and I was like, whoa, she's supposed to be the person that has a plan for that, right? She has a plan for everything. That's what she says. I have a plan for that. So I go to her website and there are very little details, very few details on the actual plan for that. And I was like, what's going on with this lady, man? She is false advertising. I'm telling you, she is the false advertisement. And I was just wondering, where are all our plans? Because she talks about she has a plan for that. But I think that is just her marketing strategy. And even CNN or ABC, one of those ones when they are doing the debate, they even went along with it. Do you have a plan for that? And they said, like, they asked every question followed with, do you have a plan for that? And she'd say, why, yes, I do have a plan for that. Then she'd go on and explain. But... I didn't see it. I did not see a plan for that. So what I decided to do is, hey, you know what? Today, who's her biggest competitor? You got Bernie Sanders, right? So I decided that I would go ahead and talk about Bernie Sanders and what are his plans and what is his policies and so forth. But before I do that, I always say this to you guys. If you like what you hear your first time listening, you know what? You come back tomorrow and the way that you do that is by subscribing to the show. So stop what you're doing. Subscribe to the show. And then at that point, if you continue to come back day in and day out, and you're like, holy cow, this ION 2020, man, this is just what I've been looking for. I love it. I like it. I like it a lot. Then what would you do then? You could probably help out me, help me out a little bit by giving me a five-star rating and review. That's right. You heard it right. Five-star rating and a review. By doing that, it helps me with those algorithms, blah, blah, blah. You've heard the stories. And, uh... That'll help me to be seen in the searches when people do their little Google searches or the little Apple podcast search or whatever. So that five-star rating review is going to be very helpful for me for that. And then the next step 
what you can do. Go to iontheempire.com. Boom. You know, look at that. Check it out. Uh, I think there's a little mailing list you could sign up for and everything too. And then if you would like to, you could get into Facebook and on Twitter. You could just you could follow me there. And that would be I on the Empire. Just type that in. And pretty much anything I put on the website ends up on the Twitter and on the Facebook page. It does it automatically. So you'll see any p- articles that I post and stuff. And a lot of the articles that I post are about foreign policy as well as the candidates and their positions. And I also cover mo- up t- quite a bit of fo- foreign policy though because that's what I'm really interested in seeing what the Empire is doing across overseas and internally with domestic spying and stuff like that. So you'll find some really interesting articles there, so you might as well check it out, right? And you can do that by doing that through Facebook, Twitter, or IonTheEmpire.com. Bada bing, bada boom. Now, some people say, hey, Ray, man, I like what you're doing, and I just would love to be able to support the show. Well, you know what? I have an outlet for that. I do. You know where you do that at? Anchor.fm slash Ion2020, and there is where you can do a 99 cent, a 4.99, or a 9.99 support level. And uh, I would appreciate it if you did that. That would be phenomenal. That would help me to make myself fiscally neutral uh, using someone else's term. So, uh, and uh, help me to actually get out there and advertise the show a little bit more as well, because I think that's important. So we can spread the message of liberty. And I think that's important to do. Um... But yeah, so if you really like what you hear, go ahead and do all those things, all right? And then um, I like to hear y'all's stories, I do. I think it's really important to listen to the stories, uh, read the stories, know what people are doing for the libertarian movement and what they're doing for liberty. So there's ways that you can do that as well and let me know about it. And if you feel comfortable with it, I can even read it on the show. And the first thing you could do is do that anchor.fm slash ion2020 no, you don't have to support me there, but you can also send me a voice message there. And uh, using a voice message, you can uh, basically just, you know, give me a minute spiel on what you're doing for the libertarian movement. Give me your thoughts, your positions, your theories, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Let, just let me know. And then uh, you could also drop me a line at ray at com. That's pretty easy to remember, right? Ray at com. So drop me a line there, and I'd love to hear from you. All right, so Bernie Sanders, he is the man with the master plan. Um, And he actually, when you consider him versus Elizabeth Warren, you get to his website, he does have a plan for that, and he doesn't even market it effectively. He should be the one to be like, I got a plan for that, right? Sorry, that was my best uh, Bernie Sanders impersonation. That might sound more like Fred Flintstone. But um, Bernie Sanders has a plan for that. I mean, if you look at his website... He has a plan for everything. So if you were like a, a a left-wing socialist, then he's probably your guy because he does have a plan for that. But let's go ahead and break down his plan for that, okay? Let's go ahead and break down some of the things. I'm not going to cover them all because he has like 45 things on there that he wants to do. I mean, he wants to change the very fabric of the nation. That's what he says. He, want, he wants structural change, and that's what he's going to go for, so... He is the one that has a plan for that. It's absolutely amazing to see his plan. So let's go ahead and tackle Bernie Sanders, all right, and see what he's got to say. So Bernster, the Bernster, that's what I always call him, the Bernster, right? So uh, you go to BernieSanders.com, and he has his little website going on. Now let us let me cover a few of the little topics that he, you just go down the list. So you got health care for all, college for all, cancel all student debts. 
Fight for Working Families, Jobs for All, The Green New Deal, Right to Secure Retirement, Meet our commitment to our meet the commitment to our veterans, enact responsible comprehensive foreign policy, fight for disability rights, fight for women's rights, fight for LBGTQ plus equality. That's funny. So I don't know if you just noticed that LGBTQ plus. So that's the reason why they put the plus there is because they actually ended up. It used to be like LGB community, and then it became LBGT community. Then it became LGBT. Q community and then it became now it's LGBTQ plus because you can't just keep on going on and on and on with that right um because every single person whatever they decide that they are I'm gender non-binary I'm this I'm that um everyone's kind of you know wondering what they are I guess so they just put a little plus there I don't know um but I think I was looking up queer and they could actually just turn it to queer because I think queer is just the idea that you know, you could be gay, lesbian, bi- bisexual, transsexual, or qu- queer kind of encompasses them all or something like that. I was looking that up because I was wondering what the Q meant one time. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, that kind of can encompass all of them. Uh, but anyway, he's going to fight for them. Um, empower the people of Puerto Rico. Demand the wealthy pay and large corporations and Wall Street pay their fair share in taxes. He has gun safety, racial justice, justice and safety for all, immigration reform, empower tribal nations. Wall Street reform, fight for tra- fair trade and workers, reinvest in public education and teachers, get the big money out of politics and restore democracy, revitalizing, revitalizing rural, rural America, fair banking for all, and the workplace democracy plan. So that's all the stuff that he's wanting to cover. So he is pretty thorough. Like I said, he does have a plan for that. So what we need to do is dig into his plan for some of these things, right? Um... And I'll go, I'll go with a few things that I could probably agree with. Let's just go with agreeable stuff right off the bat, just in case you're a Bernie Sanders supporter and you decide to listen. I'll go ahead and jump into those, because libertarians, we typically are going to be for like racial justice. Um, we're going to be for the for, like a responsible foreign policy and all that stuff. So uh, we're going to be for criminal justice reform, things like that. And the reason why is just because I think that um, you do in, in, in the criminal justice system, you are technically supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. And then with criminal justice reform, a lot of people say that the whole idea of being like high, high price bond or high price bail to get you out of jail is kind of something that's unjust to somebody who is poor versus the rich, because the rich can obviously afford to get right out of... Like, they can bail themselves out pretty fast. Um, some of those middle class, they can bail themselves out relatively easily. But some of that's absolutely poor and extreme poverty, and the cops come and arrest them for being... Um, I don't know, for for selling a dime bag on the corner or something like that, and then they get a $100,000 bond, and that's going to be $10,000 to get them out. They can't afford that. So, I mean, we do need criminal justice reform in, reform in that way. And then there's also... This side of it that says that we have a situation where like 95% of cases or even more than that end up not going to trial at any way, but they do a plea bargain. And that's what the fact of the matter is, is you're a poor person. You're trying to get the hell out of jail because you can't get bonded out. You can't go and fight it. So what are you going to do? You're going to take the first plea bargain they give you because they're like, yeah, you'll just be on probation for six months or a year, not realizing that you have a felony conviction at that point. So we are for criminal justice reform. 
we are for racial justice in that sense as well because it is the fact that a, a large percentage if you go to the jails 80 or no not 80 like 50 60 percent of them are african-american and then you have like 25 percent that are hispanic and then the other 25 percent are other and white so i mean it, it's a it's a disparity that's huge in this in this world and it causes the situation where you end up with um fatherless children and things like that because the father went to jail for possessing a nickel bag of weed or something like that a couple of times and he got caught with it you know so you do have a situation where you do need some criminal justice reform you need to have that racial justice situation um taken care of as well you need you, you need to be innocent until proven guilty and if they can't prove it guilty in the court of law with a trial by your peers like there's i mean this whole idea of just pleading out all the time i just think that that is something that is just it, it sticks it to the people that can't afford to fight it if you're already in jail you've been in jail for three or four months because you can't bond yourself out and they say yeah man you'll do time served just plea guilty why wouldn't you do that you know what i mean why i I would if it was me, if I was in that situation because I couldn't get myself out. Yeah, you're going to get just plead guilty. And then now, now you get a felony conviction and you're having a hard time getting a job for the rest of your life. And anytime somebody pulls up your name on Google, it shows your criminal conviction. Terrible, terrible tragedy. So Bernie is right on those things. Also on the idea of um, foreign like the foreign wars and stuff like that, he is definitely... Uh, he's definitely in the right position on a lot of those things as well he does not make that the front and center part of his campaign but at least he talks about it and it's not at the very bottom i think a few of these candidates have seen their foreign policy stuff and their their anti-war stance is always like right at the very bottom of their campaign page so nobody ever even makes it to it but he's kind of like right in the middle with this and um his idea implement a foreign policy which focuses on democracy human rights diplomacy and peace and economic fairness allow re- congress to reinsert reassert its constitutional constitutional role in war making so that no president can wage unauthorized, unauthorized and unconstitutional interventions overseas follow the american people who do not want endless war american troops have been in afghanistan for 18 years blah, 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 you know so and we've been in iraq since 2003 Syria since 2015 we don't need it um we need to rejoin the iran nuclear agreement and talk to iran on a range of other issues I agree with a lot of that stuff as well. Um, and then work with pro-democracy forces around the world to build societies that work for all and protect all people. In the United States, Europe, and elsewhere, democracy is under threat by forces of intolerance, corruption, and authoritarianism. I don't know about working with pro-democracy forces around the world. And the only reason why I say that is because we have, as an Americans, have talked about spreading democracy all over the world for decades now and that's how we got into the vietnam war that's how we got into the korean war that's how we got into multiple multiple wars is by this idea of air quotes spreading democracy so i don't know that i want to do that i think i'd rather just say you know what y'all do what you want to do we'll do what we want to do and uh we're going to go ahead and pull our forces out of afghanistan iraq and not get into these idea this or not give into this idea of regime change and maybe we'll just uh, defend our own borders if we have to. I think that's the route that I would go. But he is right on a lot of that stuff. You need to take away the power from the president to be able to, to be able to just go to war on a whim. You know, because it seems like presidents are going to take advantage of that stuff. 
Luckily, Donald Trump hasn't specifically taken too much advantage of it, but he has basically continued the policies of the Bush administration, the Obama administration, and now, you know, it's, it's the deep state that's kind of kind of forcing his hand on it. The good thing is, and there is good news in that, is that he is kind of trying to make some arrangements to get out of Afghanistan right now. And hopefully, if Bernie Sanders ended up being that guy, maybe by some slim chance, he would be able to fight those people as well and get a better foreign policy. But So that's where I part ways with Bernie Sanders, though, on, once we get past those those two issues. Being a libertarian, I want free markets. I want a, a government that is that has a policy of non-aggression towards its people. I want to. I want people to interact in a way that is non-aggressive. I want people to interact in a way that you know. If you can convince me that something is good and something is a good idea, then try to convince me of it, but don't try to force me on it. And that's what a lot of the laws that we have and a lot of the taxes that we have are going towards is some some person was able to convince a politician to take that money that was confiscated from the people and put it into their pet project or whatever and i want a government that is not like i mean i I want i want a limited government so when we talk about all of bernie sanders other ideas it goes way away from limited government for example health care for all we've talked about that multiple times right Healthcare for all means that the government, in some ways, takes over some part of the healthcare system. Does that is that defined as limited government? Absolutely not. When you limit government, that means you start to pull away the regulations that f- the federal government has on the healthcare system. South Carolinians and Californians have different healthcare needs overall. Right, everyone needs. To go to the doctor on a regular basis. Everyone might need prescriptions. Everyone gets colds. Everyone gets sick. Whatever. But the way that you might get it in South Carolina might be way different than the way you get it in California. There's no one-size-fits-all policy that can make it so that everyone gets what they what they need. Especially when it comes from the top down. And especially when it comes from an enormous bureaucracy like the federal government and the Medicare plan and the Obama plan and so forth. So Bernie wants health care for all, and his idea is to do this. He wants to take and make Medicare, for. he wants to do the Medicare for all thing. I don't think he wants to do it all in one shot, but he wants to do it over a period of a couple of years or 10 years or whatever, where eventually everyone have Medicare for all. He's going to lower the age to 55, then the 45, then the 35, I think is the way that he plans on doing it. That is the absolute absolute antithesis of limited government if you do that because that puts the government in control of the all the payments that go to any medical institution whatsoever and at that point when you have something in that situation like that you will start having the government say well hold on we need to start rationing this care at this point because if you have no co-pays if you have no payments going to the doctor then you're going to seek the best possible care you're going to seek the best possible treatments and you're also going to and obviously you want the best possible care and the best possible treatments but you do want people to self-ration and they do that when it's when their own dollars are on on the line right so what i mean by that by self-rationing is this if for example my son is has, has a cold right now i came home 
and he has a, a bunch of red, like his nose is all, all inflamed because he has a cold. And in some worlds, you would say, well, crap, we better run you to the doctor right now and, uh, and get you better. But in my world, I'm like, no way, because you got to give him a couple of days, he'll get over it, right? But if it was free to go to the doctor right now, maybe it would be, maybe it would behoove me to just run him down there and get some medication real fast and see how it goes. But there would be, but in that situation, you're going to have more people making decisions like that for the common cold, for this, for that, for things that you normally wouldn't go to the doctor for, you might end up going to the doctor for it. Or if you have some problems, you're going to ask for the highest possible treatment just to make sure that you get it taken care of, even though you might not need it, you know? Money makes you self-ration, and in a situation where everything is free, you're not going to self-ration. So that that would force the government to start rationing it on their own. And my my someone told me this before. They said, "Well, is it better that someone is it better that the government rations it because it's going to get rationed anyway? Is it better that the government rations it, or is it better the individual rations it?" Well, at least the at least when you put it on the individual, it's the freedom that you have. Because if you really think that you need it, then you can figure out a way to pay for it, or you can figure out family members and stuff like that to help you pay for it. Whatever. Whereas when it's the government, it becomes a blanket policy that's one size fits all, and every single person gets rationed no matter what, and there's nothing you can even do about it. So at least I, at least you put it on the person, and then that leads to liberty and freedom. So limit government, no Medicare for all. I would say get the government out of medicine completely because, because to be honest with you guys, it is there's like three sectors of the economy or something like that 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 are um, that. Prices continue to go up in three three sectors, that's it. It's education, medicine, and I think it's the automobile, automobile industry, right? The prices go up in that. Those are three of the things that are most regulated in this, in this world. Healthcare is regulated because the government has put so many laws in place on health insurance and the healthcare side of it that it causes the prices to go up. And then you got... College education continues to skyrocket because there's so easy to get loans. There's nobody's nobody's rationing college education because everyone has such an easy easy task to even get into the colleges. First of all, they're fighting for everyone's money. I mean, you see commercials on TV every day for this university and that university, and now we got online university here and there and everywhere, and they're all just trying to get that forty thousand dollars a year that they can get that you can get loaned to you from the government, right? So they're all fighting for that money. So boom prices continue to go up because of that because no one's rationing themselves and then automobile industry because they continue to add more and more regulations on the vehicles that cause the price of a vehicle to go up and then it causes the causes those prices to skyrocket even more in the medical industry though if you look at it there's one other thing that continues to go down in price and that's like lasik surgery that is not covered as an insurance under people's insurance lasik surgery plastic surgery Things like that. Not covered in under insurance, yet the prices continue to come down on those things. It's the only place in the medical industry where it really does, from my understanding. So um so let's just let's just get away from this idea of Medicare for all. Um I don't think that's a good idea. I think I made my case there. Um and that's a good libertarian story. A good libertarian case for it, I, I would hope. Next, so the other thing I saw in here is workplace the workplace democracy plan that Bernie Sanders has. I, let's go ahead and read through that and see what that is. 
because that sounds pretty so being a libertarian we are not against it's, it's always perceived that we're against like the trade unions and unionization libertarians are not against unionization we are not against the idea of collective bargaining or anything like that what we are against is the government coming in and making it a mandatory thing that you unionize because that's using force to force people to unionize it's using the power of the monopoly of government to make companies recognize the union i don't think that's right i think that if if people want to unionize if people want to collectively bargain they should be able to but they might have consequences that go along with that as well and that would be like getting fired from their job or whatever but if they are that good of a worker then and, and, the, and that union has that much power over the employer, then they're going to make it work. They're going to say, yeah, we'll come together and make something happen. But I don't think it should be a government thing. I think it needs to be between the individuals and the businesses. That's fine. Freedom. Defer to freedom, right? That's important. So let's see what Bernie Sanders says about this, though. It was the trade union movement built in the middle, built the middle class of this country. It is a trade union movement that is going to rebuild the middle class in America once again. In order to strengthen America's middle class, a Bernie Sanders administration will make it a priority to restore workers' rights to bargain for better wages, benefits, and conditions. That is what workplace democracy is all about. Da, 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 okay. Declining unionization has fueled rising inequality. Today, corporate profits are at an all-time high while wages are at an all-time low. Something like that. Middle class is disappearing and the gap between very rich and everyone else is growing wider and wider. So what's his plan? There we go. Bernie's pro-union plan. Provide unions with the ability to organize through the majority sign-up process, allowing the National Labor Relations Board to certify a union if it receives the consent of a majority of eligible workers. See, I'm against something like that because if you're a worker, you shouldn't be forced to join a union just because there was a vote. If 55% of the people voted for it and 45% voted against it, then I don't think that you should be forced to join a union. You're, but then and that and then it would be enforced by the National Labor Relations Board. That's insane. I can't agree with that. Um, just because it, it, I gotta defer to freedom on that. You know, enact first contract provision to ensure companies cannot prevent a union from forming by denying the first contract. Employers should be required to begin negotiating within ten days of receiving a request for a new union. If no agreement is reached, so this is all kind of inside baseball stuff, but it does seem like to me that a lot of this really comes down to him making it so that unions could come in there and force a business to unionize its employees by getting 51% of the people to vote for the for the union. Um, I think that happens a lot of places anyway. There are a lot of right-to-work places where you don't have to join the union. I think Florida is one of those. Um I just don't think that you should be able to force a, an employer to to recognize the union. I, I I do like I said I do believe in collective bargaining, though I think that that is okay as long as, like I said, as a group, if you're that valuable to that employer, then they're gonna negotiate with you. But I think, and I think I said this on this show yesterday, the best way to increase a person's wages is as follows: get the knowledge you need to increase your value at the workplace. And as soon as you do that, you're going to get better wages, right? And if your employer will not pay you better wages, then you can go to the guy down the road and get a better job. 
getting better wages. Like that's the secret. If you're a McDonald's worker working there for five years and you're making making eight bucks an hour, but you are really good at what you do, and your employer doesn't recognize that, run down to Wendy's, bro. Ask them for ten bucks an hour. I bet they'll do it, especially if you can flip burgers pretty damn fast. You know, you're, it's gonna happen. I mean, that's it's just the way it is. And the more employers that there are the more of a shortage of labor that there is, the more likely those people are going to say, well, crap, we better start paying higher wages because we need someone to come work for us. I mean, that's just the way the employer will be. So if there's 10 people vying for one job, the employer has a little bit more a more ability to lowball somebody, right? But if there's 10 employers looking for one employee or, you know, if there's one employee and there's 10 jobs out there and all these people need that one employee, they're going to have a bidding war. It's going to be like an auction at that point to see who can, who can, who can bid up the highest price to get that person to come work for them. And the, it might not be just wages. It might be days off. It might be health care and it might be insurance. It might be 401ks, things like that. Like there's a lot of things that would entice that person to come work there. So, um, I just think, I mean, that's how you're going to get people to get higher wages, not through some unionization or some Bernie Sanders getting in there fighting for these people. He does talk about like the fight for 15 and all that. And I've done the shows on that before. You don't have to, um, I don't need to rehash it here because I think a $15 minimum wage, all it's going to do is put kids that are first time workers out of jobs and it's going to cause employers to want to automate everything as much as they possibly can before those different laws kick those you know those different laws kick in so uh what does he say about let's see so we have big get big money out of politics and restore democracy see i can agree with those things in some ways when you say get big money out of politics but his thing is this keep everything status quo continue to grow the government and then penalize people for trying to lobby the government and making it illegal for people to lobby the government, things like that. My idea is to limit the government so there's no reason why people would need to. I mean, that's a libertarian stance on it. If the government was so small that that it didn't do hardly anything, and all it did was raise an army, um, build courthouses, and and uh, help people go through the court system, and things like protect people's property, then you wouldn't have education lobbyists you wouldn't have security lobbyists you wouldn't have uh every company in the world up there with the real estate association trying to keep their real estate deductions and you wouldn't have this company there or this organization there trying to make sure that this group gets a deduction or that group gets a tax incentive or that group i mean you would not have all that because you have such limited government whereas his idea is status quo plus add a bunch of new bureaucracy which guarantees corruption. It'll just be, if you if you make it illegal, it'll just be under the table. It'll be there still. Because there's, when there is $3 trillion out there for the taking, plus all the tax incentives that go along with that as well, so you're going to have people out there lobbying for it. You're going to have people out there trying to make money off of it. That's just the way it is. You're going to have the lobbyists for this airplane company, this manufacturer, trying to make sure that they get the order for that ma- for that new airplane model. This boot manufacturer is going to be up there making sure that they get the order for the boots. 
this person's going to be up there trying to make sure that they get the order for the for the the food services at every school in America. You know, like it's just the way it's going to be. You're going to have that. So let's go ahead and limit government. Bring it down to the states. Let that corruption happen in the states, and then get the then the people will get pissed off at the state level. And then they'll bring it down to the county level. And then you have an accountable county manager that would be in charge of that stuff. And they, they would be the ones that would be driven out of office. And you would know what's going on because you would have that local that local presence there, that local person accountable. Today there's no accountability within in Washington, D.C. because your representative represents like three or 400,000 of you. I think it's way even more even more than that. That representative might be one person representing a million people. I mean, absolutely insane, right? Look at your senators. They're a person representing, you know, uh, an entire state. California, absolutely enormous, like 65, 70 million people or something like that, right? One person representing all that? No, that person's not accountable to the people of the state. But a city council member is. A city council member, I mean, if they did something corrupt, people are going to find out about it. The news stories will be all over it. We don't need the news up there in Washington fighting all this stuff. Keep them at home so they can fight the corruption there because it's almost impossible to get somebody out of office once they're in in office up in the in the United States Congress and in the Senate. I mean, those, those seats are safe once they're there almost all the time. You have hardly any turnover because of that because people are afraid to even go against that congressperson. But that's where corruption happens, guys. And that's why you have the lobbyists up there. So, yeah, get big money out of politics and all that. But his uh, Bernie Sanders' idea is way different than the libertarian idea. But it sounds good. It definitely does sound good. What does he say about gun safety? That's the last point I'm going to make today, guys. Because this show is going a little bit longer than I expected it to. Um, I think I'm going on 45 minutes now. So, let me go ahead and say this, okay? He says this. We are in the when we are in the White House, we will move aggressively to end the epidemic of gun violence in this country and pass the common sense gun safety legis- legislation that the overwhelming majority of Americans want. Take on the NRA and its corrupting effect on Washington. The NRA has become a partisan lobbying public relations entity for gun manufacturers, and its influence must be stopped. We need to expand background checks, end the gun show loophole. Ban the sale and distribution of assault weapons. Prohibit high-capacity ammunition magazines. Crack down on straw purchase for people buy guns for criminals. Okay, so... If your goal is to end gun violence in this country, then the only way to end gun violence, I guess, would be to confiscate all the guns, maybe? And I don't think that that would end it anyway, because you still have black market guns everywhere, Right? And we have a Second Amendment, so what? I mean, the the government, the, the Congress is not supposed to enact laws that would restrict your gun gun rights. Essentially, uh, if you're looking at the Second Amendment, Second Amendment about that, uh, he wants to end the gun show loophole. That the loophole is this: if it's a private sale between me and my buddy, I could sell him my gun, and then the, on on the law, basically, it says that I'm supposed to hold record of who I sold it to for ten years before I would get rid of that record. That's the way that it would work. Um, Take on the NRA. So there is a gun show loophole because of that. If you go to a gun show, and it's not even at, it's not even like at the gun show. It's like you go outside and buy that gun from somebody out of their trunk. 
that's when they would not do a background check on you. But that would just be impossible to enforce. I mean, you want to sell a gun to your buddy? I mean, that that's intrusion by the federal government into your private property anyway. And I just think it's completely wrong. And it's not going to change all these all, all these um, mass murder, like these mass gun, these mass, uh, this mass violence that goes on in the schools. It's not going to affect that. All these new, new mass shootings that have happened, like, it's not going to do anything to affect those because those were all legally bought guns by somebody who had a background check that didn't have a criminal history in the past, though. So if we're looking to end gun violence, well, none of that stuff is going to do it. I think it's a cultural thing. I really do. I mean, I don't know the exact solution to the problem of gun violence by any means. But I do know that you don't punish somebody who is a law-abiding citizen, who is a law-abiding citizen who owns a gun. You don't punish that person that for the negative acts of somebody else who legally went out and bought a gun. Nine times out of ten, those people legally go out and buy those guns. There might be some fl- there might be some red flags that get sent up to their family members and stuff like that. Maybe that's something that you could deal with on some level, but I don't believe in the red flag laws either. I think that that is intrusion on the, of the government as well. That's intrusive. I mean, on the state level, not on the federal level. On the state level, possibly, I've heard that there's, um, I've looked into this barely at all, so I, I, I don't speak, I don't speak like I know what I'm talking about, but I've heard that these red flag laws that are in like Maryland or something like that, nine times out of ten, it's something that's, uh, where like the wife will tell on the husband or something like that, or the next girlfriend that's begrud like that has a grudge against this guy will sit there and say he needs his guns taken away, blah blah blah. Like that, it's used in a negative way. It's used in a way that it wasn't intended to be used, and that would be an unintended consequence of the red flag laws. So I don't even agree with that. I think that the government needs to stay out of this stuff, man. I really do. I think it's so important that we focus on freedom, absolute freedom. Bernie Sanders, he's right on a few of those issues. I talked about it earlier, right? He is right on a few of those issues. But believe me when I say he wants more intrusive government in our lives. He wants the government to be in every aspect of our lives. He wants to move towards a more socialist state, a democratic socialist state. He has a lot of people on board with him, though. He really does. And the thing is, is the more you use force through government the more you have to continue to use more force until you get to a totalitarian state. That's what they found out in the Soviet Union. That's what they found out in Mao's China. That's what they found out in North Korea. That's what they found out in in, uh, Cuba. Every time it's tried, every time it's tried, it fails and it ends up in a totalitarian state. And these democratic socialists, they say, oh yeah, but that wasn't really the way that it was supposed to be done. That wasn't really a socialist state. That wasn't a real true communist state blah 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 but these people had their intentions of forming like they these are ideal ideologically you know these were ideologically communist people back then that were trying to create the soviet union like that's that's what their goal was was to have a communist state and they tried it but it always digresses into it always digresses into totalitarianism because how do you take the property away from people? You have to do it through force. 
you can't just the culture is almost impossible to change in that people like their private property they have a vested interest in keeping that property and they're going to figure out ways to do it and then at that point they're breaking the law the government has to come in and force them to confiscate their stuff send them to the gulags by the millions starve them to death by the millions until they submit to your your will that's not what we want in america i don't think that bernie sanders would take us there but you never know i mean maybe maybe the intentions are there with all of these leaders like mal and lenin maybe the desire was there to do it in a peaceful way but when they didn't get their way they had to force it a different way now we have different laws in america that might not allow something like that happen we didn't have a big revolution that caused it like in mao's china and also in in lenin's uh soviet union we didn't we don't have like a big revolution going on right now we do have separation of powers and stuff so i don't know that that would come to that but that's the idea guys that's 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 definitely sounds like the idea to me is what they're trying to move it to towards so um what we need to do i say this at the end of every show start talking to your friends start getting them to understand and starting to question their relationship to their government question what they expect from their leaders what they expect from the federal government and get them to understand and begin to believe that things are best kept at home in a non-aggressive that we should have a non-aggressive government that we should have a government that's limited change that guys because everything's done better at home we have a government that's just an enormous bureaucracy that has so much corruption and what we need to do is take a stand against that and the best way to do that is to change the culture because it will not change otherwise unless the unless the politicians are going to pander to us limited government people nothing will ever change and that's the that's the direction that we need to move towards so i appreciate you bearing with me this is a lot longer show than i normally do so i so i apologize but hey keep on coming back every day you can do that by subscribing and then uh come on back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020 hey guys just a little postscript to this show uh while i was recording i ended up watching a little bit of tv after the recording and i was just looking at the news and uh, it's late late tonight and i'm sitting there looking at it and they actually came out maybe like 30 minutes ago with the debate lineup of who's going to be in the debates on September 12th. So I thought I'd bring that to you. And the great thing is, the thing that's going to improve my sanity a lot, is that they're only going to have one night of debates. And I don't know if you remember listening to my previous shows, but it was wearing on me that I had to do two nights of debates every single time because I cannot stand listening to politicians talk in the first place. They drive me crazy. All they do is just pander and promise and uh, and lie. And I it... I will be a happy man having just one night of debate. So that's going to be great. I will do the shows for you. But let me go ahead and go through the lineup with you really fast. And uh, it's Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Julian Castro, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Andrew Yang. The two that I'm surprised even got in there was Klobuchar and Beto O'Rourke just because they've been... I mean, Klobuchar never really got too much traction in the first place, and uh, Beto O'Rourke has just been a falling stone ever since uh, ever since he got into the race with like 17 or 18% of the time. The ones I'm surprised did not get in 
or the only one I'm surprised that didn't get in is uh, Tulsi Gabbard because she was getting 2% in a lot of these polls as well as John Delaney because he just had a ton of money and that's that surprised me. But all the other ones I was it was not surprising at all. Uh, Mary Marianne or Mariana Williamson, I'm surprised she didn't get in because I did see a lot of the polls that she had two percent as well. Uh, but yeah, that was the qualification that you had to have two percent poll or two percent in four polls and 130,000 individual donors. And there's gonna be a little bit of controversy around that why some of these other people did not get into this. But uh, and I'm like I said, Amy Klobuchar was very surprised that she got in. Uh, but she did and the same thing with um, beta work. But the other ones, I knew that they'd get in. Uh, all of them are well-funded, and now they're just saying that it's going to be a better round of debates because everyone's going to you know, hit each other the way they want to and stuff like that. Uh, I will cover those debates, like I said, and uh, hopefully I will not be going insane from it, and uh, hopefully I'll survive the next round of debates because sometimes I just want to blow my brains out when I listen to these people talk because they are just annoying sometimes. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's all I got. That's a little postscript for you for ION 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you. But if you are a salesperson or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast that's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.